Welcome to another episode of On the Issues with Alain Ben-Mir. Today's guest is Jemre Ugler, the UN Representative and U.S. Director of the Journalists and Writers Foundation. Jemre is a human rights expert dedicated to the gender-sensitive implementation of the Sustainable Development Goals and focuses on civil and political rights violations and issues related to violence against women and sexual violence and conflict. In this episode, focusing on the upcoming elections in Turkey on May 14th, Alan and Jemre discuss the social dynamics in Turkey, the Turkish people's distrust of Erdogan and his one-man authoritarian rule, the current status of the opposition, and women's rights issues in Turkey. Before we begin, Jemra, would you? I'd like to for you to tell me briefly about your activities, what you've been uh, recently been involved in the last couple of years, and what has been your focus. Sure. So uh, I am the U- United Nations representative of Journals and Writers Foundation, uh, which is an international civil society organization working on the uh, culture of peace, human rights, and sustainable development. Uh, we are affiliated with the United Nations Department of uh, Global Communications. So I myself mm-hmm. am a human rights uh, expert, mainly focusing on uh, civil and political rights violations, monitoring such cases to various UN treaty bodies and so on. And I also lead uh, my organization's global development programs for the best, timely and effective implementation of the Sustainable Development Goals. That's, that's great, yeah. and and. Uh... But um, what uh, what is that specific countries that, over which you 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 focus? Do you focus on specific countries? Mm-hmm. So our, our 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 development programs are global, no specific country. But for for my expertise and for my human rights reporting, yes, Turkey is my focus area. Turkey and Middle East. Uh, okay, well, this is great. So so I'd like to you know to begin by asking you. Where do you see now? Let's be first talking about the social dynamics in Turkey, in the wake of what Erdogan has been the doing. Uh, you know, assuming the last going back to years, assuming dictatorship, and mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. de facto or authoritarian uh, Turkey's de facto authoritarian regime, and uh, and uh, based on what we hear, what we see, what and the reporting I receive, there is considerable amount of human rights violations throughout Turkey. What's your take on this? On this, what's going on at this juncture in Turkey? Well, I don't. I think this is a great question to to kick in this this discussion on on the recent uh, events happening in Turkey, and that would be great to draw a full picture. Uh, yes. from United States and talk about the yeah. status quo of fundamental uh, freedoms. So um, considering the minority rights, uh, gender equality, and upholding uh, civil and political rights, Turkey's uh, report card did not score full grades already. All but right. the, the, the collapse of the Kurdish peace processes, the Gezi Park protests of uh, 2013, the corruption operation within the state authorities, and surely after the failed coup attempt of uh, July 2016, uh, over 30 decree laws issued under this prolonged state of emergency and democracy, rule of law really collapsed in Turkey after a series of these these events. And surely the withdrawal of Turkey from the Council of Europe's Istanbul Convention was a sharp turning point as well. Right. But considering the last, last decade, 
I would say the the biggest threat of this current ruling government is is imprisonment, because when we see the statistics, the incarceration rate over the last decade grew by eighty nine percent, making Turkey the second largest jailer coming after Russia. Right, And right. when we when we see the statistics, when we look at the groundless reasons why these dissidents, why these political figures are imprisoned. Um, alleged, allegedly being a member of a uh, so-called terrorist organization or insulting the president or, or groundlessly inducing hatred within the society uh, through social media outlets, targeting journalists became the most uh, frequent underlying causes of, of these imprisonments. So for Turkey, the most critical thing is the definition of terrorism has changed and swiped away from the international human rights law. Uh, civil society participation has been minimized. The, the shrinking space of media, it's very important. You are an expert, but you know how uh, the authoritarian regimes wants to make sure that they control the public discourse. Of over, course, yes. over, By this pressure on, on journalists. So um, last week, Uh, last year, uh, I'm sorry, a, a disinformation law package was approved in the Grand Assembly. That was a huge setback too. In this in this law package, according to this this set of new rules, anybody with a dissident tweet liking something uh, coming from the opposition side can be jailed from one to three years of imprisonment is at stake. So. Um, Within this context, uh, of course, uh, th there is a there is a constant uh, setback is observed, but the recent um, recent hyperinflation in Turkey uh, really grew an opposition uh, public view within the Turkish citizens as well. Because just last year, the uh, OECD announced that the food inflation is over seventy percent in Turkey, and yeah. indeed. Indeed, all these, uh, lastly, I would like to say, uh, created a new wave of migration and enforced migration out of Turkey. Very interesting. I was just uh, looking at some figures to share uh, in, in our discussion today. But Turkey last year was marked as the third largest group of refugees. So there is a new term, coined term, Turkish refugees. Why? Mm -hmm. Because of this political pressure and surely the economic pressure Uh, has has a lot to do with that too. Now you know what, what you know. Everything you mentioned is obviously it is not unknown in Turkey itself. That is Surely. the public. The public obviously is aware of mm -hmm. Erdogan's uh, shortcomings, of Erdogan's cruelty, of Erdogan's mm -hmm. determination to hold on to power at all costs, and obviously mm -hmm. he's done his best and will continue to do so to silence the opposition in every which way you can. So the incarceration of journalists, uh, the academia emasculating of the military, uh, all of that is taking place and continue to take place. You know, for him, as you indirectly mentioned, you know, the, the coup of July 2016 was really a gift from God. That's how he described it. That was a yes. gift from God because it gave him the, the excuse, the opportunity Definitely. to do all the ill-fated activities it has taken. Now, mm -hmm. as I'm following now, specifically the campaign, to what extent do you see that the opposition is actually talking about these particular issues? 
Are they mm -hmm. openly criticizing or openly suggesting that the, the Turkey, that, that this government is corrupt to the bone? A huge amount of nepotism, a human mm -hmm. misappropriation of fundings, and on and on. Are they talking about it or are they fearful of any kind of retribution or retaliation from on the part of Erdogan? That's a great question. Well, um, very unfortunate, but Turkey, uh, since since this day, did not have a very strong opposition against this one-man uh, regime led by Erdogan's uh, authoritarian rule. But um, Ellen, we, ha we had a very um, horrifying incident, the earthquake, uh, and we will surely talk more about it. But the, after this incident, really, the, the public was quite angry, and that was the uh, top of the mountain. The opposition took this uh, very uh, horrendous incident as a chance really to uh, renew their discourse. And the timing of this incident is very critical to just months before the uh, before the election campaign. You know, of the uh, table of six, the opposition uh, figures came together. And uh, since, since the end of uh, December or so, when uh, Kemal Kriçdaroğlu was in US too, he was heavily criticized uh, because of this uh, critical time he was away from uh, from homeland Turkey. But um, their their propaganda was not very successful till till the earthquake. Uh, Meral uh, Meral Akşener, one of the uh, leading figures mm -hmm. of this party, uh, took herself back. It was the the table was about to be dis dismantled and everything. But now the the coalition decided on uh, Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu's uh, president uh, candidacy and everything. And after the earthquake, the main focus of the opposition is the violations that took place after the earthquake and the economic uh, situation of Turkey. So I'm, I'm quite hopeful uh, of the upcoming uh, elections and we will surely dig more into that. But as I mentioned, the after earthquake uh, violations and the economic situation is now the two pillars that the opposition parties are uh, basing their, their discourse so, on. So let's try to track the thin down the earthquake mm -hmm. is obviously it's a natural phenomenon. So Erdogan himself did not cause an earthquake. Mm -hmm. But he's now being blamed. Being blamed. Yes. What are some of the fundamental blames that he's accused of? What did he mm -hmm. do well? What did he do right uh, in the in the wake uh, of the earthquake? Mm -hmm. uh, just to just to share some uh, some figures and numbers with with our audience uh, because it is it is very historical. The the highest magnitude of earthquakes that was recorded in the in the region it, it took place on February sixth and took over lives of fifty thousand people and left millions displaced. Eleven cities were uh, heavily impacted by by the by the earthquake. Thousands um, collapsed and the the World Bank uh, stated that this disaster and the after uh, shocks even happened. And the disaster is estimated to be uh, giving Turkey a uh, 34.2 billion uh, damage in the midst of this economic crisis. So it it took Turkey in a in a even more difficult situation to recover from this uh, one man one man. Yeah, if I may start but, this out, sure. why I I mean, 
I mean, I know some of the why, what, is it, what is it being blamed of, but for mm -hmm. our audience, why? I mean, so many people are killed. Eleven eleven cities are been have destroyed. Why is he being mm -hmm. blamed for it? But this is what the audience would like to hear. Sure, uh, sure. So for the first three days, Ellen, there was no response from any government rescue teams. That that was the most important and most critical uh, failure of the government. So not big particularly, that, that's no, yeah. okay. No, what else? there is there is a state institution called AFAD in Turkish, Turkish Disaster and Emergency Management Presidency. So they were not in force, and importantly, I would like to underline this: the state media channels projected a very different picture from what's going on in the ground. So we as observers, the Turkish citizens, knew what's going on, the reality from YouTuber journalist channels, victims online engagements. For the three days, people were connecting to these live stream programs, nothing on TV channels, but they were crying out for help. They were sharing their loved ones' locations. And the other critical failure or on, on purpose to cover up their, uh, their wrongdoings, uh, Erdogan cut off access to network, in particularly to Twitter for one day in this critical time. And it was heavily criticized because social media was the only venue to seek help. You know, uh, to, as, as we saw videos from under rubble, people took, took selfies, took voice memos, and cried for, for help. This, uh, this management was supposed to be running under the coordination of AFAD, but in some regions, Ellen, we, we had heavy machines, but no professional team to operate them. In some other locations, we had the presence of uh, international rescue teams, but this time, no state machinery to, to remove, the, remove the rubble. And even in this critical situation, Erdogan was on TV and said that this is a very sad incident recorded in the Turkish history. But he said that I have an open notebook and I'm noting down who is criticizing me. I'm taking the names of uh, <laughs> these, these journalists who are blaming our dear government in the midst of these critical times, these uh, horrendous times, this is not the time no, to criticize. Yeah, so very, he's very classic. Yeah, he's shifting the honest on the other. So, so what yeah. you're saying, you know, he obviously made sure to silence the media, to maximum, including, of course, social media, mm -hmm. and allow only the media to support him to say mm -hmm. what he wants to be said. You're also mm -hmm. saying, you know, the response was very slow, it took three days for the first responders to come to the scene. Uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's very, very... And then you also mentioned the fact that we they have the machinery in order to do pro quick recovery of bodies and and, and they, they but they do not have the skilled people to actually use this machinery. So he's and, he's he's obviously blamed for for all of that and some, but he's uh, he's trying to provide you know offering excuses all kind mm -hmm. of excuses and like you said he's even making a note of those who are criticizing him. The total sum of this, the total mm -hmm. sum of what happening. Would that is be you feel will be translated now that there is an election pending within a few weeks? Would uh, that have sure. I mean, is the public aware enough or courageous enough, willing mm -hmm. to actually mm -hmm. go to the poll and say, no, we are we we want change. 
Do you see a strong movement calling for change as a result of this? And also as a result of this 10, 12 years of oppressive regime, like you said, thousands and thousands are in jail, a thousand are incarcerated for no good reason, what no trial mm -hmm. is being held. All of this taking place. Why is it, and now I'm reading recently, that he still commands 45, 40% uh, of, of the eligible voter. Why is it? What's happening? From your perspective. Mm -hmm. So inevitably, elections, uh, the, the aftermath of the earthquake projected uh, individuals' um, criticism about Erdogan. It, it really impacted because, uh, Alan, in, in, in Turkey, uh, I've, I've fig shared some figures about minority rights, about uh, gender-based crimes and everything, the dissidents uh, being, being uh, subjected and, and all sorts of violations. But for people, when, when your loved ones are impacted, when your own life is at stake, naturally your projection is now all for this working for the sake of protecting your own loved ones. And now the discourse really turned vice versa. People are saying that we will not forget. We will mm -hmm. not forget that we lost our families, not because of a natural disaster, because people, uh, because buildings were not uh, constructed according to the city codes. You know, right, right. Very important people Ellen, lost their faith and trust in uh, state authorities, in public institutions in Turkey, and everybody is really fed up. I mean, even if they did not care about minority rights in Turkey, about uh, systemic uh, violence against Kurdish uh, citizens and everything, but this fostering discriminatory discourse, hatred within the society, and most importantly, this fear induced among citizens were the most important and most strong tool that this one-man regime was using. But now, no, people are fed up. People, people wants to want to live a, a life where they can travel, you know, where they have money not to worry about their children. Um, right. they, they want to live in decency. So that is why I think uh, everything just uh, collapsed and, and public opinion is really now against Erdogan. Um, and, and we will see. We, Turkey is running for a historic uh, election, and I'm always saying that this is the last exit before the bridge. So uh, Tur Turkish, the people, Ellen, Turkish people will be either voting for the uh, for for this one man regime to be permanent, or overthrow it by democratic means using their votes. So it's either black or white situation in Turkey. There is no gray area left. Well, so, but in this regard, you know, in looking at the opposition and mm -hmm. the leader of the the, the CHP mm -hmm. and and the the name I can never pronounce uh, of the leader of the C, you know. Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu, yeah. Kemal, let's call him just Kemal for now. Okay. <laughs> <That's easy>. for... <laughs> <laughs> sure. Now, and uh, he is, he is uh, uh, I mean, he's obviously bright. He knows the issues. He understands what's happening. He's been in politics for a very, very long time. But he, you know, in my view, you know, lacks the dynamics, lacks the presence, the thrust, the sort of the leadership that can, in fact, the leader that can, in fact, uh, uh, confront uh, decisively and with clarity 
uh, Erdogan, who is a very shrewd politician, and mm -hmm. um, and in any kind of debate, you know, he would he would probably would shine over uh, Kemal. Uh, what do you think <clears throat> the prospect of the uh, CH CHP to actually win this election, given the various um, advantages that Erdogan has, you know, you know for example, um, he, he, he has a, a many levers of power in his hand, he emasculated the military, he, he controlled of the media, you know, mm -hmm. he is threatening uh, online uh, speeches, um, and threat of imprisonment, so he has still many tools to stifle the, you know, the public from actually being able to speak out and go to the election and be able to elect the leader of the opposition. So where do you see that going to land given these circumstances? Mm -hmm. Well, to start with, I don't think Erdogan uh, still preserves his charisma, the, the uh, leadership skills that he used to have a couple of decades ago, because now all his discourse is based on hatred, polarization, uh, within the society and people are really sick of hearing these cliche slogans of uh, nationalistic, boosting nationalistic uh, feelings. I, I uh, on the other side, I do agree with you on the short shortcoming shortcomings of uh, Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu and um, possible missing features of uh, CHP, the uh, Republican People's Party, to be a mainstream. Uh, platform to get every opposition, every dissident together. But Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu indeed has some some good features too. He's a calm leader, Alan. And the polarization yeah. in, in Turkey really um, fed people up. Individuals want to really live in peace and tranquility. Right. Right. So we, people do not want to see angry leaders. People do not want to see patriarchal figures. Uh, any any man in, in between ages of 50 to 60, you know, when you see the uh, political figures in Turkey, you see a one one brand, you know, where usually the ministers and the members of parliament are seemingly fitting in that window of, of um, nationalistic uh, leaders, religious leaders. Even if Turkey is a um, majority of the population is, is Muslim, but even these days, I, I uh, preserve that, and this is my own opinion too. We don't want to see a leader uh, abusing religious terms, you know, to move the crowds, because we want to live in a uh, in a secular Turkey. We want it back. We want we want to take it back. And I think Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu has a good potential to do that because uh, he's recently uh, making a call for for making peace within the uh, dispersed societies in Turkey, within Kurds, within Alevis, uh, within uh, almost hundreds, hundreds of thousands of people who are dismissed from their jobs after the failed coup attempts. He's, he's, right. promising, right. he's promising to, to have people's jobs back. And that's what really the society is looking for. So I, I really don't think that Erdogan still has that potential charisma that he used to have. Well, I, I know I'm sure that his charisma has been waning and will continue to wane. But um, mm -hmm. again, you know, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm, uh, along with you, that actually the opposition can, in fact, uh, muster a win uh, in this coming election. 
You know, um, Erdogan has been very successful in using Islam as a tool by which to advance his political mm-hmm. objectives. Uh, mm-hmm. He is also the grandeur returning or uh, the, to the glory of the Ottoman Empire, and he felt that that Turkey can actually has its, its place on the global stage um, as if it were again the the Ottoman Empire. Obviously, these are all been uh, pipe dreams, and nothing really materialized. But to this day, he obviously been using Islam uh, successfully, and. To what extent, from your perspective, uh, Islam continue to resonate uh, in Turkey, given how much he has pushed uh, Islam as a tool by which, you know, because when you when you when you talk about religion and you and you are a believer, you don't question it. You know, there's no reason to question it because if you believe, you believe. Uh, to what extent do you think that has set in, has settled? within the public and what kind of percentage i don't know if you have any kind of percentages who actually believe what erdogan has been saying you know that that turkey is an is a sunni islamic state that turkey ought to strive for restoring its historic role as, a, as an empire um all of these as i said from my perspective are pipe dreams but how much of that has sink into the public mindset Mm-hmm. Oh well, um, oh, let's go back to two decades earlier. Uh, the reason why Erdogan uh, first uh, was elected was that he promised uh, he promised a safe space for religious people to exist. He promised yeah. for religious freedoms, uh, ethnical ethnical uh, diversities to to live in peace. But Really, at this moment, I don't see any any uh, any placement in the Turkish society for the discourse of Islam or any religious discourse. I would say not not pointing uh-huh. to Islam in particularly, because when when people see what's going on in the country, they 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 clearly observe that these head positions, decision making bodies, are are um, over controlled right. by these this same set of men, same set of thinking methodology where they abuse the system under the name of Islam, where they do all these injustices in the name of God. They they do observe the behavioral trend and systematic state-led violations. They do observe how Diyanet, the uh, religious affairs of the government uh, office, is being used as a propaganda machine in the mosques to create a support exactly. for for, yeah. for Erdogan. So at this moment, you know, uh, really, citizens of Turkey want their uh, secular Turkey back. That is very very mm-hmm. important. And so he, so from a perspective, this his campaign to use Islam did not really sink widely enough within the Turkish population. Mm-hmm. To, 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 to what extent the opposition now in 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 their campaign between now and the election? are actually talking about some of the points that are concerned to you, like talking about human rights issues, talking about the corruption, talking about nepotism, talking about the, the state of the economy, which is in terror. Um, are they talking about this day in and day out? Are you listening to what they are saying? What is the discussion nowadays taking place? What are the focuses on which the opposition is focusing? to make its case in this mm-hmm. election. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I surely follow all the uh, political suggestions and briefings of all, all opposition uh, parties. And there are 35 days remaining as of today for this critical day in the history of Turkish uh, politics. Yeah. And as you very well know, even even 24 hours mean a lot for, for yeah. Turkish uh, politicians as many turbulences can happen. I right. think um, I think women's rights, number one, economic prosperity plans, and, and to have a good projection to take Turkey out of this hyperinflation and minority rights, anybody right. promoting these uh, three, four fundamental norms will get the popular votes. And when you see the list of... Um, the the recently approved list of uh, members of parliament candidates that all these opposition parties uh, put to the attention of the of the public they are now making uh, started making their uh, campaigns to announce their uh, member of parliament candidates and everything i see a good diversity i see uh, more women uh, involved in the lists i see dissident journalists taking the lead uh, to take a seat at the parliament to promote media freedom. I see more youth members um, taking the lead to become a um, member of parliament. And opposition uh, parties are using their marketing strategies very good, especially in the social media every single day. Um, I see very good visuals keeping citizens reminded of the failures of Erdogan, of how mm -hmm. police was using uh, their their power out of uh, regulations to kick the protesters in women's march let's say i see visuals of uh, young children digging in the trash bags you know to to get some nutritious food so um i think this election will bring in a fresh start uh for turkey and uh especially even though they they only have currently four members, even the Turkey's Workers' Party, um, they in their listings. When you go through their uh, listings, you see all the singers, uh, actors uh, signed up uh, to take the lead. So so everybody within the society wants to take a part of this fresh start, you know, yeah. and bring in peace. And what are the tools? What are the? No, I I agree with you. I think I think this is. These things are happening, but what are the tools people would like to know? What is he doing that everyone is doing to try to stifle all these efforts, all these campaigns? Because he's obviously trying to stifle sure. these, you know, free, free discussion, uh, you know, uh, in in every which way he can in order to secure, you know, a, another another election. What are the means? What are the steps? The measures that he is taking nowadays in order to stifle? the arguments of the opposition, as you see it. Mm -hmm. Well, interestingly, Erdogan has been keeping uh, his his campaigns on a muted uh, style, not, not a very usual common way that Erdogan would approach the citizens right before the elections. He, he, he has been behind the stage uh, till now, and public, public opinion was even uh, questioning if his health is good enough. Uh, to run for the elections. And recent recent surveys, Alan, do show that Kılıçdaroğlu is projected to win, but only if the election is fair. And that's where Erdogan, that's where Erdogan uh, is, is most powerful. So um, 
going all through the setbacks of Turkey, I can I can surely say that the transfer of power, transition of this government, uh, is not expected to take place through random procedures. It's not going to be peaceful. That's how I would like to uh, put it out. But um, so manipulating the elections, the security on the day of elections is the most critical tool in order to uh, yeah. in order to win over uh, this one man regime. Therefore, we need really international community, Turkey experts to be involved in this uh, process. We we need independent international experts. But will observe. he will he allow that? Will he allow to have uh, monitors outside uh, the country to monitor? For example, the mm -hmm. former the, the President Carter, who mm -hmm. has mm -hmm. entire entire organization that part of them would do is monitoring elections uh, anywhere in the world for that matter. So do you think Erdogan is going is allowing, will he allow international monitors to see how the election is going? Surely he will resist, of course. That's how he, he his style is to resist such interference from uh, intergovernmental bodies. But it is in the hands of public. It's in the hand of civil society organizations to demand to at least keep the discourse, you know, on the positive side, calling for more attention to Turkey. That's what we as uh, human rights experts living outside of Turkey, living abroad, we, we have to foster this this call, this urgent call for for people to to keep a better eye on Turkish elections. And um, if this is not possible, and as I mentioned, I surely believe that Erdogan will do his best uh, to to uh, make this not happen. But on the other side, I see opposition parties call for a better civil society engagement on the day of the election. This is very important. As you can remember from the Istanbul uh, municipality elections uh, a couple of years ago, Ekrem Imamoglu, even though he won indeed in the first round too, Erdogan canceled the elections and went for a second run. And indeed, the number of votes for Ekrem Imamoglu was even higher. It went up, it went up, yeah. It went up in, in the second I, round. That's right. Why, why was that so? Because people were in present in the polls. Right. You know, civil society engagement was at the highest levels. Community engagement was there to protect the, to, to, to protect the votes and polls. So it, it is gonna be a, a, a a big day, a risky day, but I believe as long as uh, the awareness is good enough among the society, among the civil society partners, among the journalists to monitor, dissident journalists to uh, be active at the polls, um, we will do okay. I mean, this is the last yeah. chance and pe pe people should... Yeah, uh, yeah. Should... I guess it's, you know, for, for Erdogan not, not to contest the result of the elections, Obviously, mm -hmm. a number of things have to happen. A, the margin of victory would have to be somewhat considerable. I mean, for example, if the Kemal uh, is a group, his parties mm -hmm. win by one point, one percentage point, for sure Erdogan is going to contest the result of the election. But if the opposition win by five, six, seven percentage point, that's going to be much harder for Erdogan to, mm -hmm. to uh, contest it. And the other thing I think you mentioned, that mobilization of manpower to monitor on the mm -hmm. part of the opposition, the civil society to be very, very active 
during the before and during the election day, in sure. order to prevent cheating, in order to pre to prevent stuffing of, you know, electoral boxes, you know, with, with, so so that's going to be necessary. And do you see the parties now actually moving in that direction? Are they meeting doing this mobilization of power and of the civil society? Are they mm -hmm. doing so? Are, do we, are they doing it effectively? And mm -hmm. and um, uh, are they prepared for any type of contingencies that could happen during the election day? Do you see that kind of preparations taking place? Uh, yes, I do see that, and the call for volunteer engagement is uh, is at the highest level currently among the among the uh, campaigns of all the opposition opposition parties. The youth engagement is quite brilliant. That's very important. Uh, young voters uh, in the in the history of Turkish voting system, they they are not they were not very uh, engaged active voters, but now because everything going on in Turkey directly affects their lives too. They they will take the stakes high and participate in every means in this in this elections. And the, you said one thing, Ellen, and that's very important. I would like to comment on that. You said if the margin is very low in the first run in for the presidential elections, things will get a bit uh, more challenged. And I do agree with that. But I think the um, Kurdish voters will make the biggest difference in this in this uh, yeah I was just election. gonna ask you I mean the Kurds mm -hmm. have their own party but they are I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that they are willing to will go on mass to support the opposition do you think that's going to happen uh it did indeed happen because uh now uh because uh, HDP is uh, the Kurdish party is now facing a closure case. At yes. the at the courts, uh, they are not running under HDP, but now running under uh, Yeshil Sol Party, the Green Party, a new uh, initiation, a political initiation, and very important. Uh, they they did not put another uh, candidate, president candidate, because multiple candidacies against Erdogan would mean dividing the votes. Exactly, exactly. and the situation would surely. Uh, work in the favor of Erdogan with 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 the easier possibility to passing over fifty percent. So Kurds already uh, Kurdish uh, decision makers already showed their support, and uh, very important th their call is that we're gonna finish this game on the first run, because people know if if the if the presidential election part of this election upcoming uh, uh, event is falling into the second round. Um, things things will get uh, more yeah. more challenging the security and everything. So every every opposition uh, leader, even if they do not propaganda, if even they do not disseminate the name, the brand of Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu, they say we're gonna finish it in the first run, which means that we will vote anybody but not Erdogan. And in this in in this regard, I mean. Women in Turkey constitute even more than fifty percent of the Turkish mm -hmm. population, mm -hmm. and and to what extent uh, are the women are mobilized now to come on mass, in order you know having been discriminated against on a regular basis by the by the Erdogan government, uh, women have not been treated, been a great deal of abuse, and and um, very little has been happening to protect women's rights uh, in Turkey in general. 
Mm -hmm. But they have still, obviously, the right to vote. Mm -hmm. To what extent do you think the women are going to go out and vote? Is there a specific mobilization of women uh, in Turkey to go out en masse to vote in this election, or as you see it? Surely, in the in my opening remarks, I already mentioned about Turkey's withdrawal from, from the Istanbul Convention, the most influential and important tool to protect uh, women from domestic violence, uh, yeah. to protect them from any form of violence from, coming from their uh, their partners or um, a family member. So um, since the last two years, Turkish women fought uh, in solidarity among the society to encourage uh, state authorities to withdraw their decision. But unfortunately, uh, it did happen and Turkey withdrew. And this is a very shameful decision because the even the convention's name, Istanbul Convention, is coming from Turkey because the this international human rights law was signed in Turkey, in Istanbul, when Erdogan was in power. So this right. is international human rights law was encouraged by Turkey's initiation and now Turkey is the first country officially taking itself back being withdrawn from this this convention and currently femicide rates are up on the hill in Turkey and um, even to walk in in safety at 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 midnight in Turkey now questionable for women's citizens their security is at stake. Uh, the the uh, pay gap is at stake. Gender it's pay huge, gap. Yeah, yeah. But I just want to go back to the point. Is there mm -hmm. a focus campaign on the part of the opposition and the remaining to focus on not exclusively, but focus to get the women out to vote? I mean, of that's course, why, of because course, I think that, that could make a huge difference in terms of eventual outcome of the election. I mean, are of they making course, special this... special efforts, special campaign toward that end? Yes, every every night, almost every night, uh, Kılıçdaroğlu is uh, making a call for people to join his live stream on Twitter, and uh, for for just recently, he had many sessions where he specifically talked about upholding women's rights in Turkey, providing a safe space for everybody who may have diverse. Uh, gender identities. He promised a safe space for everybody in the society. And when you go back and review the uh, policy briefings of other opposition parties too, like DEVA, the Democracy the, uh, Development Party under the leadership of former uh, Ministry of Economics, Ali Babajan, they also have uh, great uh, transformative law packages about, about uh, women's empowerment and protection of of women's rights, but Republican uh, People's Party, I believe they're doing a good job uh, to promote uh, women's rights, to promise you know, a safer space to uphold women's decision-making uh, engagement in all, all sectors of civil society and political arenas. Right, and you do, do you see that women in this, uh, this particular election, do you see clear signs that the women are, Turkish women are more motivated to come out and actually vote, having been oppressed the way that they have been under Erdogan. Do you, do you see a specific, I mean, enough? because I haven't seen much writing and reporting on 
actually the mobilization of women. Is there any specific effort being made by women's leadership, women's leader, to get the women out? I mean, is there, for example, is the opposition saying, if we are elected, this is what we're going to do on behalf of women, women Tur Turkish women. Are they such a, are they singling out the one element in the Turkish society representing more than 50% of the population, 50% of those potentially who can go to vote? Are they, because to me, if there is no such a campaign, uh, the, the margin could be very small in terms of the final mm -hmm. result of the election. And that's why I'm, I mean, if I were to, today be involved in the election, I would probably focus a great deal on getting the women out to vote. Mm -hmm. I mean, is, is Akamal yes. doing, is calling for women, go out to vote? Is there such an open-ended call directed for women to two women? Surely there is, Adam, because uh, as I mentioned, the, the, um, the, foremost promise of the opposition parties is that if they are elected, they will get Turkey back to Istanbul Convention. This is a very big promise because uh, for, for the last two years, women coalitions, femicide observatories in Turkey did a great job, an outstanding job to mobilize, to call for international uh, attention, uh, to, to, to call on government states you know, uh, to withdraw this this decision to get out of uh, Istanbul Convention. So this is number one promise of the opposition uh, parties, getting back to Istanbul Com uh, Convention. And the other one is currently, uh, there's a particular discussion going on in Turkey on the Turkish criminal law number uh, uh, yes. 6284, protection right. of family and prevention right. of violence against women. And, and uh, AKP wants to make some adjustments to this law. But um, currently, as I mentioned, because of femicide, because of uh, women's killing based on, on gender-related causes yeah. has, has dramatically increased, opposition parties are promising to protect this law and indeed foster political will to fully implement this particular uh, criminal law. Because in the Turkish constitution, yes, we do have many, uh, many articles protecting women, uh, making sure that they have they have an access to legal systems uh, without any patriarchal barriers, then they, they're in the need of a, a protection if they're going through a challenging divorce and everything. But currently, even this particular law is, is under threat of this one-man regime. So these two particular promises, uh, fully implementing this, this criminal law on the protection of of uh, family and pre prevention of violence against women and getting back to Istanbul Convention are, are very important to fundamental norms that opposition is campaigning for. I fully, I fully agree. And I'm, I'm glad to hear you, you know, mm -hmm. confirming that because because this is, I think it's a key, one of the keys to making sure that women feel they're empowered, go out and vote uh, and, and register that kind of... Um, protest against the, the mm -hmm. one-man one man rule. You know, we're coming uh, toward the end of this conversation. Mm -hmm. I'd like to ask you if there's anything else you would like to, because that you would like to discuss that I would, uh, uh, that you want our listeners to, to, to listen to it. Anything else that we have not, I mean, there's so much we can talk about uh, still, but is there anything else you would like to emphasize before we conclude? 
Um, uh, yeah, I think um, I, I would like to draw a, a particular attention to the aftermath of the earthquake. Uh, I am quite appreciative of this um, pouring flow of international attention on Turkey after after the earthquake. But uh -huh. currently, over two million people are living in in tents in camping areas right. and the recovery for Turkey uh, getting out of this disaster in the midst of this particular hyperinflation is, is very, very, very challenging. So we need this global attention to be ongoing uh, for humanitarian relief organizations to be actively engaging uh, with, with, this, with the civilians living in these 11 cities. So that is a message that I would love to end this and this conversation with and um, one particular request for the international media too sometimes i do see uh, discourses headlines working towards the favor of of Erdogan, uh, one man regime because people do know that uh, election security is questionable in turkey yes we all know we are all aware but uh, i would love my colleagues international human rights experts uh, journalists to at least um call for more attention so authorities know that the world is keeping an eye on them and very, very closely observe how the elections uh, will go. So we surely need this international support uh, to seek secure and fair elections in Turkey. Well, one thing I can promise you that before the, before the election, I will write a major piece on mm -hmm. the election, on what's going on in Turkey. That, that would be great. As I mentioned, Ellen, even even 24 hours really mean a lot for Turkish politics. And now that it's almost a month away, uh, we have to take every day as an opportunity to promote for uh, fair, peaceful elections uh, to to uh, remember uh, the failures of this uh, state, of this ruling yes. party after the earthquake, uh, which caused over 50,000 yes. lives to be lost. Very important. And I do hope the best for my beloved home country, Turkey. Well, thank you so much again for the invitation. That was a great uh, opportunity to, to bring more attention to Turkey. I'm sure uh, we will reach a good audience, a wide audience, and we'll take it from there on. You're very welcome. And thank you for taking the time. Thank you. And we'll be in touch. My pleasure. All the, all bye the bye. best here. Right. Bye. Uh, uh, bye, -bye. Same here. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode on the issues. You can find this podcast on my SoundCloud page. And stay tuned to my social media accounts for the latest analysis and announcements.